the morning. I'm talking right now. You're about to experience a morning show unlike any other. Shout out to the Breakfast Club. I hope to see y'all on every morning. What you guys are doing right now, it's the hub culture. The Breakfast Club is my morning sit. I need it and I love it so much. I feel like you really not popping until you do the Breakfast Club. I've been waiting to come to y'all's show, man. I know really? you got to be a big time celebrity to be up in here. You got to be, be big time. DJ Envy, Angela Yee, and Charlemagne the God. The, the Breakfast Club, bitches. Break the fuck out. Yo 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 Good morning, Angela Yee. Good morning, DJ Envy. Charlemagne the God. Peace to the planet. Guess what day it is? Guess what day it is? Day. <laughs> yes, it's Wednesday. It's hump day, middle of the week. Good, Good morning. morning. What's happening? Good morning to you. What happened to A-Town, man? Good morning to A-Town. A-Town still in your streets? Mm-hmm. We huh. spoke about that. Remember the movie he just did? Oh, he did a movie? And everything. Mm-hmm. We talked about it on the air. Then he hit us up. Yeah, it's like a couple afterwards. months ago. It's like six or seven months ago. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know he did a movie. Okay. All right, salute to A-Time. Mm-hmm. Man, I was riding in this morning, man, listening to that Miguel four-pack. Okay. That Ardilla Cheek. Drop on a clip. What's it called? What's that word called? Cheek? Cheek? Cheek. Yeah. Cheek. Yeah. Cheek. Cheek. Volume four. Man, Volume drop four. on the clues bombs for Miguel. Man, I love Miguel, man. Miguel mm-hmm. is incredible. And then, you know, your, 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 your title playlist just goes down, you know, random songs that they start playing all type of R&B records. So mm-hmm. they started playing old Miguel, like How Many Drinks in the Dawn. They didn't play Chris Brown Back to Sleep. Then it hit me with... uh. Ari Lennox and Queen Naja, then it came with Beyonce, Drunk in Love. So you horny this morning. That's what it sounds like. I'm not horny. I feel good. Okay. I feel good. Okay. That's what R&B does to you. It makes you feel good. All right. And I feel, you know, I, I, never mind. What? Say it. No, we were having a debate uh, on the Brilliant Idiots podcast about Rihanna versus Beyonce and a versus 20 songs, 20 songs. I think Beyonce got it. Yeah, I said Rihanna at first, but I didn't say it with much confidence, but yeah, you can't bet against Queen B. No. I'm, I mean, I'm a Pinkett Smith Winfrey knows Carter, but, you know, when you start hearing the drunken loves and the loves on top, like, Rihanna Absolutely. got 14 number ones. I think she got the fourth most number ones ever, but Beyonce got a lot of cultural smashes. Absolutely. So does Rito. But, yeah. I don't know if it's, it's, it's as much as Beyonce. Does Beyonce go in the Destiny's Child catalog? She would probably have to, yeah. I mean, not, no, she wouldn't have to, she but she probably to. would. But yeah. if she did, yeah, yeah, I don't... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just, yeah, uh, but you know, but I'm fresh off uh, jumping out the car, listening to Surfboard too, though. So that's you know, so that's, you know, that's I'm, your I'm, thing, I'm prison at the moment right that's now. That's your thing, Surfboard. You know that drunken love. That I used to, man. I used to play used drunken to love so somebody. much up here. <laughs> <laughs> I used to come in here this every day crazy. listening to Drunk in Love. And we used to be in his surfboard. Yeah. Don't lie, Envy. Who's, who's we? Me, Envy, yeah. and L, 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 our, our old board up, okay. Easy, Marinelle. Well, well guys, no cover, cover your butts this morning. <laughs> ain't got nothing to do with butts. Why everything got to do with butts up here? <laughs> Jesus Christ. My goodness. Now, uh, front page news, what are we talking about? Well, let's talk about this Johnson & Johnson vaccine. They have paused the use of that vaccine over blood clot concerns. In Harlem, they pause Johnson's all the time. If a man says Johnson <laughs> in Harlem, they pause it all the time, okay? All right. Well, uh, this is for you, Bay. Go ahead. Hey! <laughs> Drop one of Clues Bob, goddammit! Oh Let's go! That's what I'm talking about. Here's how next. you start the morning. <laughs> it's 
My beautiful body is grinding up in that club. My goodness. Drunk in love. We be all night. Hey, hey, hey. Let me know when you're done. Hey, 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 hey. First of all, nobody likes it like that, okay? Let me know when you're done. I need you to be into it, too. <laughs> this guy's I need you to be into it, too. Let I me know you when could, you're I done. I wish you guys could have seen him serve. That's, where we, that's where we at? <laughs> all right. Okay, I need some intimacy back. What's wrong with you? What's you No more R&B music for you on the way in. I've been drinking. Let's get some front page news. This guy, man. Where we starting, ye? Well, the U.S. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and the U.S. Food and Drug Administration are recommending that the U.S. pause the use of Johnson & Johnson's COVID-19 vaccine. They said there were six reported U.S. cases of a rare and severe type of blood clot. One person is currently in critical condition. Another woman died. The six reported cases were among the more than 6.8 million doses of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine. Now, what if you got that vaccine? Should you be concerned? Here's what Dr. Fauci has to say. It appears that this adverse event occurs within like between six days and 13 days. So if you're beyond four weeks and you've had it a month or two ago, I think you really don't need to worry about anything. If you are in the time frame of within a week or two of having gotten vaccinated, this is a very rare event. It's less than one in a million. Oh, having shut said up. that, you still want to be alert to some symptoms such as severe headache, some difficulty in movements or some chest discomfort and difficulty breathing. But like they said, it was one in one million. You believe that? Stop listening to them yeah, people, Yeah, come man. on. I mean, for sim- from six people, you think they'll pause the whole <laughs> Exactly. Stop listening but to them people, man. what they are saying is that I mean, if you feel any of those symptoms, like headaches, abdominal pain, leg pain, shortness of breath within three weeks after vaccination, then please contact your health care provider, according to the statement that has been put out now. As, a, as far as the effects on women, it feels like, it could be something how like birth control pills are related. Is it hormonal? Here's what Dr. Fauci had to say. These are women of childbearing age. Does this suggest that it could be hormonal? Absolutely. And that's one of the things that we want to investigate. There have been similar types of phenomena that have occurred during pregnancy. Clotting abnormalities are known in women who take birth control pills. So certainly there could be a hormonal aspect to this. Hey, man, I'm going back to what uh, all the doctors told me last fall. They all told me just wait at least a year if you can. They said when that first batch of the vaccines come out, you know, don't be in a rush to go get them. This is what doctors told me, doctors who that I use. Not just black doctors, these are white doctors too. So, it's funny. Well, the all doctors six that cases I occurred among women. They told me they all had six to take cases it, so occurred. Got okay, you. All six of these cases occurred among women between the ages of 18 and 48. And symptoms did occur six to 13 days after vaccination. Now, you guys brought up vaccine hesitation. Here is what Dr. Fauci has to say about that. Will this fuel vaccine hesitancy? Well, certainly that is a concern. The question that is often asked, does this have anything to do with the other vaccines, the mRNAs from Moderna and from Pfizer? You know, absolutely not. There's no negative or adverse or red flag signal coming from any of those vaccines, which is very good news. In other words, they are very safe. What I don't understand is with all these vaccines out there, shouldn't they pretty much have the same thing in them? Because they're fighting the same thing? Shouldn't shouldn't it? I don't know. Ask Dr. Fauci since you believe in him so much. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I don't. I believe in the doctors and what the doctors are doing. He's a doctor! 
or my doctors. My doctors took the vaccine. I took the vaccine. My parents took the vaccine. My wife took the vaccine. My daughter took the vaccine. We all all right. You know what I mean? But, but you don't know the long-term impact. You know, the CDC, the CDC is examining um, the case of a woman who died after getting the Johnson & Johnson vaccine in uh, Virginia. Yeah. She was 45, 45 years old. But we don't know the long effects of actually getting COVID either. So it's, it's you do it, hey, if you do. That's true. But I know one thing. You can't recall the vaccine after it's in your body. I know that much. Yeah, but I, I, don't, I don't think it lasts. I think it lasts up to a year. Hey, what, the vaccine? Yeah. yeah. So you got to get it again? That's why you have to yes. get it every year. Mm-hmm. It's like getting a flu Absolutely. shot. Every year you Just get like it. the flu shot. Mm-hmm. I don't get that either. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that is your front page <laughs> news. I haven't. I haven't gotten that either. Okay. All right. Awkward. Get it off your chest. 800. Play some more R&B, man. I need him more hype, man. What you 800-585-1051. You know Throw that Chris Brown back to sleep on for the streets one time. Throw that Chris Brown back to don't sleep play off that with the culture. Him, don't play with him looking at me like what that. You Do mean? not play that record, man. All this talk of Johnsons. Get it off your chest. Where's the Johnsons and Johnsons? <laughs> this guy. Johnsons on Johnsons. 585-1051. This guy's horny. Get it off your chest. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. This is your time to get it off your chest. Whether you're man or black. Say it with your chest. We want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. So if you got something on your mind, let it out. Hi, this is Shantina. Hey, good morning. Get it off your chest. Um, So I work in the ER. I'm not a nurse nor a doctor. I'm this registration, but I work in the ER. So my opinion with the vaccines, um, when people get the vaccines, of course, we all know that they are not approved by the FDA nor Medicare. I saw that. So that means people are... Hmm? I saw that. I was wondering... So that means when people are getting these vaccines later on down the line, insurance companies are going to ask you, did you ever get the vaccine? And that's going to give you a sticky situation. The Medicare, I mean, the insurance companies are going to decide if they're going to increase your premium or not cover you. And that's the same okay. with Medicare because all vaccines or medications have to be approved by the FDA and Medicare. Well, let me ask you a question. I, I keep hearing people say the FDA didn't approve these vaccines, but is that true? Because how can they how can they pause You're the vaccine if them. they didn't approve yeah. it? Well, it's an emergency vaccine, so that's two different things. Emergency and approval is is two different scenarios. Oh. So the FDA approved the vaccines because there's studies regarding it, like the flu shot. There's years of studies, which is vaccine. It's just a study. So, like, say, for instance, when you get at 65 years old, Medicare asks you certain questions like, is the government paying you for a research program for a vaccine or medication? Well, you get that when you're 65. They should be asking us that now and paying us that now, but they're not. So, technically, so, so technically, this round of vaccines is, is all a bunch of guinea pigs. But you know what? It does say, I looked it up right, I went on the on website, the FDA.gov, it says... The FDA has authorized three COVID-19 vaccines for emergency use, right? That's what she just said. But only right. for emergency but what does that mean? use, yeah. That she said it's for, right? it's for emergency use, but it's not approved. Because you can't use it still in ages 12 to 15. No, they it's, not, it's not approved in ages 12 to 15, but... Mm-hmm. So if for emergency use, what does that mean? Because it's still approved, right? It's an emergency. I don't know. This is for the experts. <laughs> That's exactly why I'm not taking that vaccine no time soon. Hello, who's this? This is Keith from Houston, man. What's up, bro? Get it off your chest. So it's two things I want to get off my chest. First of all, Houston, man, we got to get it together. We don't work together as an artist. We don't do anything together like we're supposed to. Houston? Uh, there's, there's only one radio station. I, I'm not going to say the name of the other one, but they've been Trader Truth. They yes, we know that. The Box. 
the box uh, yeah. being the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Thank, thank you for saying that, Charlemagne. By the way, uh, but uh, Charlemagne. By the way, I wanted to bring something up because nine years ago you said something about Mr. C, and uh, lately you've been passing my butt cheeks, man. I don't understand exactly what's going on, but uh, hey, you said Mr. C be free, Mr. C be passing free. out, and you have been butt acting cheeks. accordingly, sir. I'm free. You I've been free. Your butt cheeks. <laughs> You've <laughs> been passing out butt cheeks. That sounds so crazy. I have not passed out my butt cheeks. You cheek, get a butt sir. cheek. You get a butt cheek. <laughs> okay, I gave Envy a, 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 a replica of some butt cheeks, but I haven't passed you out know, mine. You are the Oprah Winfrey of butt cheeks out here, man. You <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, brother. You be safe out there. <laughs> get it off your That's chest. That's funny as hell to say you the Oprah Winfrey of butt cheeks because you just think of a big old. <laughs> <laughs> This guy's crazy. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, hit us up now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Whether you're mad or blessed, we want to hear from you on The Breakfast Club. Hello, who's this? Yo, this is Jamil calling from North Carolina. What's up, bro? Get it off your chest. Hey, man, I just wanted to spread a little bit of positivity this morning. That's all. What you got? Yeah, what I'm, you got? I'm blessed back and highly favored, as my uncle Charlie would always say. There you go. All right. I want to thank God for my life, health, and strength. I'm doing well today. I can't complain at all. My family's doing okay. Okay. And I just want to say that I'm praying for this country during this pandemic, the people that have lost their lives to COVID. The people that have lost their lives to police brutality, the people that have lost their lives to the mass shootings that have been going on these last couple of months. Mm-hmm. And this company, this um, country needs a lot of healing, and the country needs for our um, officials to step up and do what they need to do in order to make things better. Well, that ain't happening. <laughs> you ain't even got. Yeah. I'll fill you on that one. I'll fill you on that one, Charlotte, man. Yeah, Rome, 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 Rome has fallen, sir. Hello, who's this? Hi, this is Karma calling from Atlanta. Hey, Karma. That's your real name? Yeah, that's my real name. Damn. Hey, hey I just wanted to get off my chest. Um, Charlemagne, um, you just really helped me. I just recently lost my dad, and I recently lost um, one of my little fur babies. And when we talk about when you talk about mental health, it just made me realize that. I actually have to take it into consideration. I suffer from anxiety. I already suffer from depression. Mm. And when just hearing about you talk about how you were able to just sit down with your therapist and just get it out the way and how you feel so much better, I actually decided to just take the first step. And I hear y'all talk about talk space so much. And I signed up. And Dope. it's um, I'm, I'm trying so hard not to cry, but it's no so cry. Crazy. Feel your feels. Cry. Let it out. It's fine. I just want to thank y'all because everything has been so difficult, and I'm trying to start my business, and I just feel like I have been at a roadblock. And it's just, I just want to say thank you. Thank you so much. Well, we sending you a lot of healing energy this morning. A Absolutely. lot, a lot, a lot of healing energy, man. And and. Thank you. And understand that's what life is about. You know, I always say I don't feel like there's any any anything is a so a good experience or a bad experience. It's just one long process. That's yeah. all life is. One long process. But you I promise you, you will be fine when it's all said and done. And well, just one more thing. Um, y'all are the best. Just keep doing what y'all doing. And I'm only twenty three and y'all are inspiring every single day. So wow. I love you. Love you too. So much. Thank, Thank you so very much. much. Wow. Thank you. She's 23. That means she's been on. She been. We've been on the radio since she was 13. 13 years old. That's right. Lord have mercy. 
Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. If you need to vent, you can hit us up at any time. Now we got rumors on the way, ye? Yes, and let's talk about Bobby Brown. He is on Red Table Talk. The episode comes out today, and we'll tell you what the topic of discussion is. All right, we'll get into that next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Now, next hour, the Lucas Brothers will be joining us. Lucas Brothers. They uh, wrote um, Judas and the Black Messiah. Yep, co-wrote and co-produced yeah, Judas very... and the Black Messiah. They're twins. They're comedians. They, have, they, they wrote a, a bunch of things. They have a special on uh, Netflix. Yeah, two talented individuals. I first met them uh, back in the day when they were writing for Friends of the People. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll talk to them next hour. But let's get to the rumors. Let's talk Bobby Brown. It's about time. What's going on? Yo, yo, yo. Rumor report. Rumor report. This is the rumor report. Talk to him. With Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. You know, one thing people say a lot is, how does Bobby Brown deal with everything he's had to deal with, with all the tragedies in his family? Well, he's on the Red Table talking. That episode is coming out today. It's been five months since the unexpected death of his 28-year-old son, Bobby Brown Jr. And in the upcoming episode... He's basically talking about addictions and controversies that have followed him for decades, the tragic death of his son, and who he thinks is responsible for the deaths of his ex-wife, Whitney Houston, and his daughter, Bobby Christina Brown, as well. Here is the teaser. These kids today, they're Mm -hmm. trying different things. Mm -hmm. They're trying to get as high as they can possibly get. That's a real problem because they don't know what these drugs are being mixed with these days. Right. right. There have been know. so many deaths specifically with fentanyl. fentanyl. Mm. There's murderers out there right yep. now that are creating these these synthetic drugs that um, that are killing these kids. Yeah. It's like they're committing murder. Mm. Ooh, yeah, that's gonna be a sad one to watch. Yeah, but it watch is that. an and the episode is, is entitled An Urgent Warning from Bobby Brown. Yeah, I, st- I stand on the fact that, you know, the best messaging is just say no. And that right there is just another reason to just Absolutely. say no. Like, they got GMO drugs. It's not the organic, holistic drugs that we grew up on, okay? Trust me, being able to go to, you know, facilities in other countries and do organic, pure drugs, that's a privilege. So I would encourage folks to, you know, get help with their addiction as opposed to encouraging them to find safe spaces to do things that we know is going to kill them here in America. Just say no. But we also know addiction is a disease, and we don't want to shame people who are struggling with addiction either. I'm not. I just said we should should encourage folks to get help with their addiction. That's what we should do. We should put more money into the treatment. Right. You know, but just say no, that campaign's been around since before we were born, and clearly it's not working. So we got to make sure that there's all different avenues to get people help that they I need. I can't say it's not working. I yeah, I can't say it's not working. I mean, you can see people are still using drugs. It's easy to tell people don't use drugs. It's but it, people they, are we using have to, drugs, we have to right? continue saying don't use yeah. drugs. You can't say, hey, use drugs, but just make sure that, they, no, don't use drugs. You people say used to say don't don't smoke weed. Now we weed is legalized. It is, but it's still crazy. a lot of people who don't smoke weed. It's like it's a lot of people who don't don't do drugs. Right. But now weed is regulated, right? All right, now I never Will heard Smith weed killing anybody, re- have y'all? I never heard of, of somebody OD on uh, weed. Imagine if you don't know I've what it's mixed Ma'am, ma'am. What you're getting straight off the street. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Refer to me as ma'am from now on. Be respectful. All right, ma'am. <laughs> Thank you. Y'all have no understanding of nothing that goes on. <laughs> no All right, now Will no, Smith. Ma'am. No, ma'am. <laughs> 
<laughs> does it not like Georgia's controversial new voting laws. And Will Smith and Antoine Fuqua have pulled the production of their new movie, Emancipation. And that's in response to those voting laws and voter suppression laws that are happening in Georgia. So they felt compelled to move their film production work from Georgia to another state. So they're the first company that has said, the first production that has said they're not going to do something in Georgia because of this. As you know, there's been talk of protesting. They said at this moment in time, the nation is coming to terms with its history and is attempting to eliminate vestiges of institutional racism to achieve true racial justice. We cannot in good conscience provide economic support to a government that enacts regressive voting laws that are designed to restrict voter access. Mm. So they're out of there. That's a tough All one. right, now. If- that is a tough Why one. Why you say that? Because um, I, I know a lot of people that work on those movie sets and even with the baseball, the major league, I know a lot of people that work on the, on the stadium are our community, are, are black folks and minorities. So the fact that they pull them from there, are, are we really hurting ourselves? I don't think those big brands really care. They got enough money yeah. to survive. But what's really hurting is the fact that we can't work on those movie sets. We can't be runners. We can't do food. We can't be actors or actresses. Like, that hurts us a lot more, I think. Yeah, I think I see what well, you're you saying. Well, you can in another, in another city. But it just won't be Atlanta people. It won't be Georgia people. Right. Be, if, you... if they move to New York, it'll be New Yorkers working. It won't be Atlanta that needs it. You know what I mean? Where it's mostly minorities in Atlanta. Yeah, I don't have any proof to back this up, but I do think it hurts us, you know, more than it hurts, you know, white people. Because there's a million other industries in Georgia. Film used to be the number two industry in Georgia. I don't know if it still is, but it's it's not like white folks are going to pull out. So I feel like we are the ones who end up losing jobs and opportunities, but I don't know. All right, now let's talk about the French Prince of Bel-Air. Bel-Air is the new show, but it's not a reboot. During an exclusive interview with E! News, um, Alfonso Ribeiro describes the new series. He said it's in a reimagining of the original Fresh Prince. And he said the new series will be a whole new look at the idea. He said we sometimes throw a lot of things into one word, one concept. A reboot would be taking the actual show and characters and bringing it back. This is a totally different show. He said, for starters, it won't be a fun-loving family sitcom. Instead, it's a dramatized take on the story told in the iconic theme song. From the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. He said it's based on the theme song. It's completely different. So is it a prequel? Is it when Will was living in Philly and he was uh, getting in trouble, which caused him to be shipped to Bel-Air in the first place? Uh, Well, what he's saying is it's a whole new show and it's based on the theme song. So I don't know, but it's a drama. So it's not even a comedy and it's a whole different concept. Yeah, because in the theme song, he was living in West Philadelphia. He got into a fight with some people. His mom got scared and Shipped him off, which is actually dope, right? Because you would have to dig deeper. Because I'm like, just because of a fight, you got shipped off to Bel Air. It had to be something really intense and serious mm-hmm. to ship him all the way across the country. Yeah, so it's basically uh, his journey from the streets of West Philadelphia to the gated mansions of Bel Air mm-hmm. with a reimagined vision. They said it'll dive deeper into the inherent conflicts, emotions, and biases that were impossible to fully explore in a 30 minute sitcom format. Ready for that? All right, now DMX, his versus challenger Snoop Dogg was actually on Fallon and he was talking about some of his memories of DMX. He talks about meeting him back in 1994 before most of the world even knew who Snoop, who uh, DMX was. And uh, here's some of the, the stories that he told on Fallon. At a concert, 19, I think it was like 90, 94. Yeah. And then uh, we went back to the studio after that. He brought up a story that was so deep and instrumental to, to our relationship. He was like, when he first met me, I was like away from him. And he was saying, what's happening? What's up? And I was like, get at me, dog. And he was like, I took that and I made that into my song. Get at me, dog. 
because the way you got at me and said that, I was like, that's slick. So that night inspired him to create that song, Get At Me, Dog, which was one of his, you know, biggest hood records that he put out. Now, of course, he told that story during Versus, so maybe people didn't catch that story, but always an interesting and good one. And thank God that Versus did go down because we had a chance to see DMX and Snoop together celebrating each other and with some good viral moments from that. Here's what he had to say about Versus. It meant the world because it, it, gave, it gave the world a chance to see two dogs that naturally loved each other, celebrating each other in the name of hip hop. Um, you've seen a lot of interaction between me and him engaging in our songs. You've seen a lot of conversations and a lot of love. And we, we had God in the building with us that night. And, and that makes me feel good about DMX's transition to know that he's off to a better place and he's finally got his angel wings. Yeah, which is why I don't understand when people say DMX didn't get love and folks waited until he died to show him love. Absolutely, positively not. He was getting love before the verses, but the verses absolutely uh, provided Earl Simmons with his flowers. X always got love, hundred percent, and he definitely always got love up here. Absolutely, and right. and, and drink champs. He did drink champs uh, last this past February, mm -hmm. and you know they definitely gave him his flowers on drink champs. So yes, X got love. Yeah, DMX was an icon living. Okay, That's a so fact. I don't think that I don't think that people didn't show him the proper respect. Everything that he was going through, I do feel like people were super supportive and had a lot of love for DMX because he had a lot of love for people. Mm-hmm. All right, well, that is your rumor report. All right, now we got front page news next. What are we talking about? Well, let's talk about the police officer who shot and killed Dante Wright and has now resigned. We'll tell you what her statement said and what else is going on. All right, we'll get into that next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. Mountain Dew is partnering with HBCUs in an effort to uplift the next generation of badass black innovators and entrepreneurs with the Real Change Opportunity Fund Pitch Competition. Empowering students to go out and do. Visit mountaindew.com slash real change to enter. Hey, morning everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Good morning. Let's get in some front page news. Where we start, Yee? All right. Well, let's start with uh, the officer who shot and killed Dante Wright. And the Brooklyn Center police chief have both resigned. And this is in Minnesota. Police officer Kim Potter resigned from her position Tuesday after shooting and killing Dante Ray. We've been talking about this. You know, she was uh, part of that police department for 26 years, a 26-year veteran. She submitted her resignation effective immediately, wrote a letter to city officials. She said, I have loved every minute of being a police officer and serving this community to the best of my ability, but I believe it is in the best interest of the community, the department, and my fellow officers if I resign immediately. The mayor said, we did not ask her to resign. That was a decision that she made. And they also said later in the evening that they had not yet accepted her resignation. They said, we're still working through our own processes and making sure that we take the steps that are necessary to accept the resignation. Let's just say my team is evaluating the current circumstances, which are very complex. I don't I don't get it. I need somebody way smarter than me to explain this to me. Can you just resign in the middle of what is supposed to I be mean, an investigation? You can resign at any time, but I'm wondering if that resign gives her any benefits meaning that she makes sure she doesn't lose this does she automatically get this if she resigns during this I'm just curious to watch yeah she that's what I would so like fast. to know if you resign hey you still get your pension like what does right, that mean yeah, I don't exactly I, I don't know I'm, I don't I don't understand it. well you know like they just said they have not yet accepted her resignation so we'll see what happens you know but that's the information that we have thus far didn't the police chief resign too yes the police chief also resigned why did the police chief resign 
right? The Listen, backlash. I don't backlash. Backlash of him saying automatically saying it was a mistake so quickly. Nah. But what they are saying it's deeper than that, white men don't just resign when they wrong. <laughs> okay. He got that pension and he's old, bro. He's probably collecting his you, pension you now. Think that's what it is. Yeah, you got mad cops resign last year when they said they didn't like the changes that were happening. But why would stuff. he get fired? The police chief. Why would the police chief? He get didn't fired? get fired. But that's my point. But why so, would he resign? That's what yeah. I said. So if, if, if Jamos is saying he resigned to keep his pension, why why would he? Have gotten fired to no, begin with. He, he wasn't in the line of fire. Like, why deal with this? If I already so got he my doesn't pension, get fired. If I already got my pension, why? But, why but what would he get fired it? for? Because yeah, he didn't do the shooting. He didn't do anything. And yeah, he said it was a mistake. But she said it was a mistake. Right. But I'm saying, why deal with the headache if you're older? You got your pension already. Just retire. Something deeper going on. I'm with you. I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is yet. Though. <laughs> yeah, we'll find out. Yeah, yeah. But- you know what, they were, so anyway, the Brooklyn Center City Council on Monday, they did vote to fire Potter and Police Chief Tim Gannon, but they both submitted letters of resignation on Tuesday. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. So they voted to fire yeah. him, so they probably wasn't going to get fired. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, so uh, there you have now. Dante Wright's father said that he cannot accept the cop can, uh, defense for, for killing his son. Aubrey Wright said that this mistake just doesn't sound right. Do you accept that explanation, Mr. Wright? I cannot accept that. I lost my son. He's never coming back. I can't accept that. A a mistake, that's not, that doesn't even sound right. You know, this officer that's been on the force for 26 plus, 26 years, I can't accept that. I would like to see justice served and her held accountable for everything that she's taken from us. Stop asking stupid mm. questions to parents who have lost people. Do you accept that? Would you accept your child just being murdered? His son is dead. Mm. Who the hell do they think black people are? I sometimes wonder, do people understand what death is? When someone you love gets killed, don't ask me, do I accept that? Don't ask me, do I forgive the killer? Don't ask me to make peace with the killer. Let me feel this and go through whatever emotion I want to. Do I accept that? What kind of question is that to ask a parent who just lost a child? Well, that was Robin Roberts on Good Morning America talking to, obviously, Aubrey Wright, who is Dante Wright's father, as well as Katie Wright. Mm -hmm. But I think sometimes people ask a question to be able to hear the parents express how they're feeling. But do you accept that? It's a parent who just lost a child. It got to be a better question than that. I think that, yeah, I think the answer is pretty obvious obvious when you ask that. But it might be just asking that question to get people to understand the emotion it comes with it and hear that emotional response. Well, ask me how I feel. To humanize ask me what how just I feel happened. Then. Ask me how I feel. Mm-hmm. I'd rather that. All right. You accept it. Well, that, that is your front page news. All right. Now, when we come back, we have the Lucas Brothers joining us. Lucas Brothers are comedian, writers, producers. They just recently uh, co-wrote and co-produced Judas and the Black Messiah. So we're going to kick it with them when we come back. So don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We got some special guests with us today. That's right. We got the Lucas Brothers. Welcome. Yo, what up, what's what up, up, man? What's up? How are you? I'm glad to see y'all still looking very militant, even though, <laughs> even though y'all nominated for an Oscar. You know, we, can, okay? we can't change it, change it up too much. No, no. We if, can't if y'all don't dress like this at the Oscars, I'm going to be disappointed. <laughs> All right? I think they're forcing us to wear tuxedos, man. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we might keep our military jackets over the tuxedos. Yeah, that's right. Gotcha. That's right. To, you know. Which one, which one is Kenny? Which one is Keith? I'm Kenny. Okay. And maybe I'm Keith. Yeah. Well, let's go back for people that don't know who the Lucas Brothers are. I know you guys are from Newark, New Jersey. So That's explain right. your journey. Man, it's been crazy. So we are born September 13th, 1985 at UMDNJ. Virgos! Uh, yeah, New yeah. Jersey. Uh, during the height of the crack epidemic. 
Right. And, uh, you know, it was a turbulent upbringing. Yeah, drug war, drugs, fathers, Shooting, f- killings, shootings, murders. killings, all yeah. that f- in the 80s, 90s. Wow. Stealing cars in New York was crazy. We were the carjacking mm-hmm. capital of the universe, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah, New, uh, what was that movie? Uh, uh, Jersey, New Jersey Drive. New Jersey Drive. Drive. Yeah. Film yeah. in Newark, yes. you know? Pe- it made people mad, you know? But it was still the only representation of Newark. Right, right. So we, when our father went to prison when we were like six or seven, he was like caught up in that gang shit and, you know, doing what he had to do to survive, got caught. And so we kind of grew up, well, not kind of, but single mom, you know, like that. Poverty moving from like different places and you know seeing that we probably shouldn't have seen when we were like kids when we were kids it was wild it was wild i struggled in high school you didn't really struggle in high no, school. i was pretty good he was a pretty good student <laughs> now wait a minute see now see, there's no way i got an identical <laughs> twin and i'm struggling that, in that yeah. was the problem like, like you could just be like yo bro take my test from me the teachers ain't gonna know we yeah see no- the thing is we hadn't seen sister sister yet so we didn't have like a, <laughs> a like a sitcom play that we could do so i was just like beast in class mm-hmm. and he was struggling i was like dude just I was struggling so much and he was doing so well. I was like, I got to turn this shit around because mm-hmm. like it's it's on me. So yeah. it's like, right around my sophomore year, I started to like shift and uh, start studying hard. And we were able to get into college by, by the grace of God. And uh, we studied philosophy in college. Mm-hmm. And we thought we were going to get our PhDs in philosophy. Like we were convinced that that's what we wanted to do. Right. You guys had the same major? Same yeah, major. Same Good major. Same major. Yeah, yeah, and that's, that's interesting because you said your dad studied philosophy in prison, right? Yeah, that's made up. Every, yeah, okay. Everybody studies philosophy in prison. <laughs> <laughs> All right? All philosophers. Everyone's a hood okay. philosopher in prison. Right. <laughs> so we studied philosophy. We were going to go to get our PhDs, but we... You know, we, we needed money, man. Like, right. we were broke as f- Like, we, I mean, philosophers don't make that much money. Nah, and then they were telling us, like, graduate school for philosophy is tough. It's hard to find a job. It's like eight years. I'm like, eight years for philosophy? That's crazy. Some like, philosophers do make money. Until Philo- some philosophers Derek do Derek Jackson money. made a lot of money. Right, right, right. Until he didn't. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. right. And Cornel West, you know, he's, he's, he's a brilliant philosopher. Yes, absolutely. He, you know, he, made a huge name for himself. So it could have been done, but we're not Cornell West. So, right, right, right. Uh, we, we thought maybe we can do something a bit more practical, so we went to law school. Right. Uh, I went to Duke. He went to NYU. Yeah. Uh, he wasn't passionate at all about it. I thought that I really wanted to be a lawyer, right. but it just didn't work out. Yeah, and then right around that time in law school, I started experimenting with drugs. Mm-hmm. Like, I started smoking. I started doing that Adderall. I was drinking, and, like, I was starting to, like, because the stress of law school, I never felt anything like that before, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm from Newark, I've seen That's violence. Wild. I've seen like people using drugs. They never wanted to touch a drug. Right. Then I get to law school. I'm like, damn, I can't take this f-ing exam. Have you ever? But didn't you? That? Didn't you do? Oh. Didn't you do three years of law school? Three years. Right? Like, we, we and so almost, y'all almost finished. We were right. almost finished. We did like with two years and like 98 percent of our third year. Right. We had about two weeks left before our exams, and we were like. It, man, we want let's go do stand up. I want to go back to the law school thing. Have you ever unpacked that? Because you came up in the hood, so that seems so normal. Was right, it the right, fact right. that when you was in law school, you was like fish out of water, kind of. That's exactly sort what. Of, yeah, sort that's of exactly what sure. it is. It felt like Alice in Wonderland. Like I had never seen people use drugs so openly from like privilege. Right. It's got to with you as a black man, right? Because you see people in the hood, they're usually leaning on drugs for. For trauma reasons, right? right? Exactly. Right. And y'all right. like, y'all doing this for fun? <laughs> and not going to jail, boy? Like, exactly, dude. It, like, it blew our minds. Right, like, right. how how can they, especially at law school, you know, these guys are the people who are going to be writing policy, right. writing laws, right. and, and they're breaking the rules. And these policies are going to affect, you know, black people. So right. it, just, it was like a weird sort of situation where you're like, how can I study this and know that these, these people are going to write these laws that 
affect my people, but they're, they they don't even care about the rules of the law. So, no. it so was, now bizarre. let's get back to it. So y'all decided not to finish law school right. and say F this and stand up and let's do comedy. Yeah. Right. Were y'all yeah. working on comedy or did somebody family member say y'all funny? Y'all like let's yeah. Nobody in our family said we're funny. <laughs> they, don't, they don't think that we're that funny. I think it was just like I went I did some stand up in New York. I went to like a club. I did a club and it was just I sucked, but I liked it. Like, but what makes you do that? But like, you know what? Let me try comedy. I was losing Tuesday. my mind. I was. I think I was losing my mind. Like, I was literally like drinking, doing drugs. <laughs> and I was like, F- it, man. I'm not. I'm not gonna do this law school sh- anymore. And I was just losing. I was breaking up with my girlfriend at the time. Well, she was breaking. She was breaking up with me at the time. And, uh, <laughs> and I was just like. I was on one, man. Like I, it was crazy, but I was on stage, and that was the only time I felt normal. Like, and you went to his first show. How no, he sent me. He sent me a clip of his. Oh, first you didn't even show. go. You didn't even I, support. No, I was in North Carolina. He was in New York. So right. He right. sent me a clip of his the first show, and I was like, "Yo, this is terrible. Right. One of the, <laughs> the worst sets I've ever seen." And I thought that he. You know, I knew. I knew he was having like a crisis of mental health, and I was like, "Dude, man, like this." Do it a few more times, right. but you know, get back to the books because this ain't this, this ain't, ain't it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but he kept with it; like he still kept going to the open mics, right. and he still kept uh, you know trying to get better at it. So after like a couple weeks, uh, he called me again and was like, "Yo, I think we need to quit law school. I think we need to." Right. Go <laughs> we. He said we, and I was like, "You're crazy." Like, I, I want to be a lawyer. Right. I, I, I then put three years into this. I'm not gonna just drop it for comedy, but. He was very persuasive, and and then that's when I had that moment of clarity. Like, F- it, man, let's just do it. Let's try it. So, so he would have been a good lawyer because he was sweet <laughs> as you. That's what I say. I used my three years of legal education just to convince <laughs> him to drop out of law school. So now, what did your mom say? Your mom, you know, struggled to get you in good schools, mm-hmm. worked hard for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's so excited. My my boy's about to be attorneys, and you're like, mom. Now we dropping out. We gonna be comedians. <laughs> what would the mom? I mean, she thought we were losing our minds. I mean, she knows like our whole story, so she's familiar <laughs> with our father not being there. She's familiar with the drugs. So she's like, you know, maybe you guys should go to therapy or something mm-hmm. like that. Make sure you think about what you're doing before you're doing it. Just being a mom. But eventually, when she saw that we were serious about it, right, and we were and making that it, it made us happy. She was, she was completely on board. Right, dad, you know, he thought that he was gonna get some free legal advice. Right, right. So once we we dropped out, he got a little upset, but he's he's been super supportive. I love how you said my mom knows our whole story. (laughs) Like people like, my mom was my day one. Oh, really? (laughs) I mean, we can't lie to her. Like, you know what I mean? You can lie to pretty much anyone else. Not your mom. You can't lie to your mom. She just sees right through that All right, we got more with the Lucas Brothers. When we come back, don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with the Lucas Brothers. Charlemagne, do you think censorship or this uh, woke culture that we're in right now is right. that is that going to dilute the art? No, I don't think so. Really? I, I, I think that it's going to make us even more. What's the word I'm looking for? Make us like I think creative. I, I think creative. You have to be like, creative. You have to be a little bit more uh, considerate of because I think about I right, look. There was a period when blackface was like the top style of comedy right. and people were like and then people were like you can't do blackface anymore i'm sure the people who were doing blackface were like F- this is ruining comedy this is hurting the purity but it's like no you just have to you know adjust and make better comedy i think that's how evolution works it's like you just have to if people are like they don't make fun of trans or don't make fun of gays and, and now we can't do those things i think it makes our comedy fresher i think it makes it purer because now you're you no longer punch it down. You gotta be a bit more inventive. You gotta right. just be a bit more creative and clever. But does it really reflect reality? Meaning, like, hmm. art should get a certain type of license to reflect reality. Sure. Right? right? If you're not able to reflect reality, 
without people offending. People right. saying, oh, yeah, that, that shouldn't be in a movie. It's offensive. Like, but it's a movie. I'm right. trying to tell a story here. Right, right, right. No, I, I see what you're saying. I guess I just think, like, it's not just about, you know, telling the freest form of comedy, but there's also, like, a moral and social uh, component to, to the comedy that we do. Right. Again, you can choose to, to be offensive. You can choose to say whatever you want, but you have to be prepared for... Backlash. You know, right, I mean? right, you right. can do whatever you want. Yeah. Um, right. So, but for us, it's like you still got to take risk. But you got to. You have right. to. I mean, that's art. Art right. is risk taking. Yeah. I mean, you guys are doing a remake of uh, Revenge of the Nerds. Mm-hmm. I heard with uh, Seth MacFarlane. Mm-hmm. Right. That wow. movie would be considered problematic, toxic, <laughs> reinforcing <laughs> rape culture. I mean, it was pro- oh. it was problematic, you know, in the nineties. Yeah. We didn't notice. Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. 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 <laughs> but how do you remake that for this era? You know, times have changed. I, I, I feel like we have an opportunity to to comment on the film in the 80s. Right. Uh, you know, I, I think that like they did in 22 Jump Street or 21 Jump Street. Right, right. They took an approach where it allowed for them to, you know, create a new story, but also comment on the past. And I think mm-hmm. that's what we want to do. Because, see, that's my thing. Nobody's acknowledging the shift in culture. Right, right. There was a shift in culture. The stuff that... You used to could have get away with in music, music, movies, whatever. Right. You just can't anymore. But right. we haven't acknowledged that. Yeah. It's I almost mean, like we just started handing out retroactive speeding tickets. Right, right, <laughs> You right. know what I'm saying? It's weird. I think I think there's been a shift in a number of things. I feel like there's been a shift in science. Mm-hmm. We've, we've gone from, mm-hmm. you know, straight Einstein sort of relativity to sort of a quantum sort of perspective of science. And I think that that's reflective of in the Internet where everyone has a point of view and everyone feels like their reality is real. Like, you, like everyone says, we're speaking our truth. Everyone's truth is sort of legit. I mean, even if it contradicts someone else's reality. And that's quantum shit, you know what I mean? Like, everyone's perspective is legitimate. Even flat earthers? Even flat earthers. Like, uh, if they believe it, why is it not? Mm-hmm. You know, like, they truly believe it's and true. even if you put forth evidence that, you know, their beliefs are erroneous, they're still going to believe what they want to believe. Right. So you're putting yourself at a disadvantage trying to use reason to a person that doesn't even use reason. Right. What do you think about putting the disclaimers? You know how they've been putting disclaimers like on movies and TV shows just to give people like, okay, this was filmed during this time. Yeah, I, which is, I mean, know. I think that that's a more effective approach than just completely banning something. I mean, I think that maybe that works. But again, I think we're assuming that audiences aren't intelligent. We're, we're assuming that they can't differentiate between what's offensive and what's not offensive. It's and then mm-hmm. you're going to have a small minority of people who go online and say, take this shit down. But I think what's happening now is people are being very reactive to those minority uh, voices. Yes. And I feel like eventually, hopefully, that there'll be like a leveling out where mm-hmm. we're like, OK, maybe we shouldn't be that reactionary. Maybe mm-hmm. we should maybe we should have some sort of due process in assessing what we do with a particular piece of art. Because it's a very slippery slope. Like I yeah. even saw what they did with a. YG this weekend with the Meet the Fockers record, right? And I think they took it down, but then they put it back because they said if we take this down, then we're going to have to do this all across right. the board. Yeah, right, right, right. It's, right. Right. it's so right. many things people could be offended by. Like right. It's like you can't go down that road when it comes to art. Yeah. I think we need to make a distinction between offense and harm, right? I think we need to, I think when, when we're assessing how we uh, limit someone's liberty, like is that exercise of liberty harming a person or is it offending a person? If it's harming, then I think we can take a more proactive approach to the piece of art and maybe say, hey, maybe we should consider taking yeah. it down. Mm-hmm. If it's just offending someone, mm-hmm. like, I think you have a right to be offended. I'm saying I don't think that that offense should equate to completely eliminating a work of art. I, I think agree. we have to I think we have to be able to process offense and, uh, and have honest conversations about that, which offends. Right. But I think that 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 shouldn't result in, you know, a boycott of someone's uh, work of art that they've put years into. Like, 
if it's harmful, if it's causing violence, if it's like causing like blatant racism, then you got like blackface, for example, that that was harmful to black people. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like birth of a nation was directly harmful to black people. So it should be removed. I mean, I, I don't think that that's a problem. Yeah. I, I don't I don't have an issue with that. But if it's just offensive, I'm like, yeah, we got to have thicker yeah. skin. Now don't move. We got more with the Lucas Brothers when we come back. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with the Lucas Brothers. Charlemagne? Judas and the Black Messiah. Well, first of all, I've done a lot more than Judas and the Black Messiah. I remember you all from Friends of the People. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what <laughs> I mean? Yeah, you, Little Rel, <laughs> Kevin Barnett, uh, Kevin Barnett God, God bless the soul. dead. Yeah. Who else was on that? Jermaine, Jermaine Fowler. Right. Josh Rabinowitz, Jennifer yeah. Bartels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, if you think about it now, that show should have been a hit. It should have been, but you know, you know, sometimes things fell to launch. I mean, you think about OKC, the Thunder, they had all the talent in the world, yeah. but they couldn't get a championship. I don't even remember what network that was. What True, TV. True TV. True TV. Yeah, yeah. How you yeah. go from God True TV to Oscar nominated? <laughs> yeah, it's man. a God rest his soul. <laughs> oh, is it still here? No, True TV still here. Oh, my bad. My bad. My bad. I meant to say FOTP. God rest <laughs> How do y'all go from that to Oscar nominated? What are the steps? What's the process? It's a grind, man. Like, we, it was crazy for us because, like, it was we were going nowhere fast. The sketch show gets canceled, and we were like, "Let's just go to Lucas Bros. Move. Lucas Bros. Moving Co. gets canceled." Like, so we got two cancellations under our belt. We're five years in. We're like, F-. so we we uh, escape from New York <laughs> and uh, humiliation in our minds, and we go to L.A. and we're like, "All right, we're gonna figure this out here. We're gonna you know we're gonna, we're gonna figure out our act. We're gonna write some." Shit. But before we went to L.A., we were already like thinking about Judas, you know, we were already like, right, 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 really? sort of brainstorming like some of the beats of the story. Right, right, right. Or we were just doing a lot of research. Around 2012, 2013, right. we started doing a ton of research about Hampton. We didn't know how to turn it into a film, but we knew like this is something that we would like to potentially turn into a film. So right. we went to LA with the goal in mind of either getting a script deal to, right. write, to write Judas or to sell the pitch somewhere. We right. just, we, we had ambitions going into Cali. Right. Uh, but we were still so focused on comedy that it was sort of like a balancing act trying to get right. Judas made, but also trying to like, you know, get our comedy uh, career, you know, back on the, the right, on back, track. right on track. So we're in L.A., we're pitching the story around town, getting no traction. Mm-hmm. People are like, this doesn't make any sense. It's not going to make any money. It's not. It's a period piece about a black revolutionary socialist. What are you guys crazy? And we're like, yeah, all right. <laughs> I guess maybe we are crazy. So we, we kind of went away from the material for a bit, went back to comedy. Uh, we were doing this pilot with FX, Killer Mike. Uh, it was for him, and that eventually went to Netflix. It didn't go to FX. Trigger and, Warner? Uh, Trigger, Trigger Warner, Warner. Yeah, yeah, right, right. So we did the pilot for Trigger Warner for FX, and uh, Shaka King was directing it. And that's mm-hmm. how we that's how we uh, met Shaka. And uh, we knew that after we got rejected from all of our uh, pitches, we were like, I think we need to work with a filmmaker who can 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 take this idea and make it into a film. And so that's when we uh, were like, we got it, we got it, we got it. Reach out to Shaka. And then we hung out with Shaka in our apartment in Hollywood, listening to music, just vibing on cinema. And we sort of pitched him our idea, and he said it was f-ing great. And we started to develop a, a, a beefier outline. Mm-hmm. And then, but simultaneously, Will Burson, the other co cool writer and Oscar nominee, was uh, you know working on his own script. And Jermaine Fowler, our boy from FOTP, he knew he made the connection. He knew Will. He knew that we were working on our thing, and he just brought us all together. We, uh, we used our story outline that we worked on with Shaka. And so Shaka and Will went together and basically rewrote Will's script mm-hmm. using our story outline. Right. And they, they wrote a brilliant script. And uh, 
it went. They, they sent it to uh, Ryan Coogler. Right. Like, we didn't know that Shaka knew Ryan Coogler, but once I mean, once Ryan got it, that's when things started to like pick up because right. he loved the script mm-hmm. and he he definitely wanted to make it. He wanted that to be his first project for on his new uh, production company, Proximity. Right. right. And so things just started to like get crazy. Yeah. At first, Shaka. it was like we were nowhere, and then Shaka, Will, Ryan. Charles, I'm like, what? The, how did that, all in a year that just started happening? We were like, what the? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and then we went out with uh, you know the script with Macro, with Ryan, with with Shaka, with Will and us. Macro financing half. Ma- macro, macro financing half. half. And the white man still said and no. The white man still said no. <laughs> <laughs> still said we and said we, we'll put up half the money. It's going to be a bidding war. We, yeah. we we think that you know this is this thing. We got Kaluuya. We got we got Lakeith. We have our stars. We have. A brilliant script. We have these great producers, and still, you know, it's a, it's a f-ing struggle. In right. Think about that. Shit. All of that already attached. Right. Stars, Daniel, Lakeith, yeah. Ryan, money, Shaka, Macro, half, half the money, money. Lucas Brothers, and the white man like, no, <laughs> no, no, no. And I don't think gracious. people realize how hard it is to get a movie made, right. and, and mm-hmm. especially when you have a dream team like that, and you still can't get traction, like. That's how hard it is. And this is Ryan right. after Black Panther. This is after Ryan, Black Panther. This is, Lord this have is mercy. billionaire Black Panther, the hottest producer in the game, and and still. But fortunately enough, Warner Bros. You know they 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 put up half the money and they they wanted to distribute it. They loved the script. And right. When they let us shoot it. Right. They, let, they right. greenlit it. They let us shoot it and. It just came out as perfect as I thought it could come. Why out. did Warner Brothers get it? I want, I need, I need white people to understand how clueless they can be. So I want to know why did Warner Brothers get it over every other? Was Niger. it a black exec at Warner Niger. Brothers? Yeah. Niger, Niger, yeah. black execs, black execs. I mean, yeah. they get it. So Niger really like she was the the key. What's it's, her last name? How do you pronounce her last name? I don't know how to pronounce. Well, the, well salute to you, Niger Kaikendall. I think I may, I may have mispronounced that, but uh, yeah, she's she's a brilliant executive, and she was the one who sort of she saw the importance of the film, right? She loved the script, and she was the one who sort of just powered it through. Right. And, uh, right, right. Yeah, for right. That's, why, that's why diversity matters. That's why it matters. Yep. That's, <laughs> why, that's exactly why it that's matters. Because like, you, you're telling these stories, and if you're uh, sitting across from a group of white people, they just don't even hear it. They don't know the language. They don't know the why it matters. Why? This is how we had to describe Fred Hampton to white people. We're like, Fred Hampton is the the velvet underground of civil rights leaders. We thought perhaps that they'll see the connection. They did. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, you know how many white executives probably like, okay, Ryan Coogler's coming here to talk about doing Black Panther. <laughs> Another Black Panther, really? That's a billion dollars. That was at Marvel, but maybe we could probably like, try to finesse around it. I guess. Now, I see you tweeted, if you guys win Oscars, you are retiring from uh, stand-up and you're cutting off half your family. Yeah, so what man. Family but we were going to do that off? before we Yeah, I mean, we got to figure out who we're going to who, how do we figure out who we're going to cut yeah, off? Yeah, yeah. What family members you cutting off? Oh, man. Uh, just the ones who haven't talked to me in years and, like, hit me up for money. <laughs> so, like, the ones who, like, didn't know I existed. Like, like oh, you, I'm your cousin from your father's side. Can you let me borrow $300? Like, ah, man. You get that. Yeah, man. It's crazy. It's crazy. It's, like, uncomfortable. Because <laughs> right. they think you got money because you got an Oscar nomination. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't get paid for this. <laughs> you got to pay your way for all this <laughs> Like, you don't get extra money for an Oscar nomination. It's it's expensive. Were you close with your dad while he while he was in jail? Were you close with your dad? We were close at first. You know, we we went to go visit him a bunch, and then we moved to North Carolina. Our mom remarried, so we sort of uh, became distant. We grew a little distant because we couldn't visit him as much, and we weren't really calling him. And that was like that must have been like five or six years. And right. then once he got out, we started to work on our relationship. But you know, it was a lot to unpack. I mean. Yeah, you know, as we got older, we started to feel the 
the, the ramifications of not growing up with a father, but more a importantly, of, a lot of anger. Like the ramifications of, of growing up with a father who went to prison. So right. it's like you know, you just have rage. You hate the law. You hate the government. You hate all that, shit, and you're you're trying to figure out ways to cope. And uh, it was tough. It was tough. It's it's still tough sometimes to 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 speak with our dad because of so much we missed out on so much you know right. what i mean and you can never forget how much you missed out on right like you know? even like to this day i go to the park and i see a dad like throwing the ball with their son and i tear up a little bit i'm like man it's kind of i wish i had that shit. like mm -hmm. Like it's it kind of sucks to know that <laughs> it's sad, man. Like, See, I don't know if y'all joking. That was crazy. The way he said it, I'm speaking my emotion right now. It's the way he said it. Never address the language, you, my brother. That is so real. Okay, continue. You tear, you tear up when you see. I tear up when I see father and sons, man. Like I can't even like. Scroll on Instagram when I see people like saying, I'm like, girl, I, it just, it's, it hurts. You, you want to play catch it now? Mm -hmm. Yo, shut up. <laughs> Yo, shut up. This guy's I mean, look, man, you want to go play some catch now? <laughs> you might be able to make up for, you know, <laughs> situation. I do have one final question. Yeah. How do y'all maintain your own identity as twins? Like, oh, that's a great question. That's man. a great question. That's a great question um, we don't, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> no you know what's crazy is that for a while we tried to like establish our own identity right and just like i want to be keith he wants to be kenny we went to law school we were just trying to do our own thing and we just had a breakdown and uh i think we realized like we're just stronger together right um and why do you need a individual identity like why why do we why do we emphasize that so much like why is that such a thing that we place an importance on it. I'm, it's supposed to be normal. Like right. normal, normal is being a singleton and being an individual. And I think that that's why people get so stressed out. It, why is that normal? But everyone's like th has a desire to get married. So mm. are we to have a desire to have a family? Are we having so there's, there's this notion that the individual is supreme, but we we rush to these group identities so quickly. We have sports teams. We have our family. We have you know. Uh, Religion, religion, political any, parties, any sort yeah. of political party, political party. We rush to these eternities, like, sorority. Exactly, exactly, exactly. So I think we have to readjust how we see what normal is. It's not necessarily about the individual. It's not necessarily about you know willing yourself to greatness. It's really a community type thing, mm -hmm. and I think that our he and I kind of see that, and we're like, we 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 have a group identity. Right, right, right. And we just so happen to look exactly alike. Right, right. So we're a weird group, but a group nonetheless. Well, I hope y'all win the Oscar, man. Yeah, yeah. Man, you I know. think y'all gonna give a phenomenal yes. speech. <laughs> I really do. I really think y'all gonna give a great speech, and I want to see y'all up there with the military jacket. Oh my god, the man. military jacket. I, the at least the pins. You gotta have the pins or something. <laughs> I think we'll keep our pins up. I keep, I'll keep the free Huey. Thank you, brothers, for joining us. Oh, thank, thank you, you guys for having, having us, man. It's the so. Lucas Brothers. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning. It's this is the Rumor Report with Angela Yee on The Breakfast Club. All right, so Quando Rondo dropped part two of our interview sit down that we did last month. And in part two, and by the way, I just want to say understandment is a word because I know people were uh, quoting that word. It's a, it's a mixture of understanding and agreement. That if you look in the word. Urban Dictionary. Stop it. <laughs> it is now. And um, so one of the things that he talks about was his best friend, little Tim, getting shot the night that they were in uh, the parking lot. I look up and I see my partner on the ground. He got shot four times. And a couple months before that, with a couple incidents happened in my hometown, he'd been shot five times. Uh -huh. 
What happened? So now? what he was telling me, what he was telling me was a lot of people didn't know that when Lil Tim got shot in the parking lot that night when King Von was unfortunately tragically killed, um, people didn't know that he already had just recently been shot just a couple of months prior to this. So that, like I was saying earlier, there's been a lot of incidents that have been going on. He said the only reason this one obviously is popular is because of who was involved and because it was on video. And he, so a lot of people don't know what happens behind the scenes. Did he say he got shot nine times in five months? Was that yeah. True? If you've been shot nine times in five months, you need to give your life to God. Okay. That means you never get a chance to heal from any gunshot wounds. Nine times in five months? That and then he was in jail. He's been in jail and, you know, he's home now, but he was in jail after he got shot. So he was going through a lot while he was locked up also, mm. you know, having gotten shot. Now, there was also a rumor and people were saying that Quando Rondo, it looked like on the video, he tried to take King Von's chain. Here's what he had to say about that. And there were other shootings going on in that. Ma'am, there was so many people shooting, ma'am. If you was there, you would be hurt from everything that's going on because nobody really know. Mm -hmm. I see my partner shot up. Like a lot of people saying that I was trying to take bro chain. Like, ma'am, when they come to jury, ma'am, a fifty, sixty thousand dollar chain, ma'am, like a nigga can go <laughs> buy that. Ma'am. <laughs> he did call me, me ma'am about 900 times during the course of the interview. Listen, this is why I don't mind young nigga business. I stay out of these young niggas' way, you feel me? I'm 42 years old. I am a sir. When you are a sir or a ma'am, you have to carry yourself as such. All right. Well, anyway, he wanted to clear up that rumor because he was saying that he definitely was not trying to take anybody's chain in the incident. And he also said, now this was interesting, that in that parking lot, he didn't even know that it was King Vaughn until the next day. I never in life, ma'am, never in life had words with them, ever. And you, at this point, didn't know who it was either. Ma'am, I didn't know this was him. Ma'am, I swear to God, on my soul, ma'am, like, like, ma'am, this is on neighborhood crook, ma'am. I did not know that was him till the next day. So wait a minute, when they got into the fight, he did, he didn't know, never mind, I'm keeping my, my Boy, stay out of young nigga business. You're right. What's wrong with you? You're right. Well, you know, if you hear like the course of the whole interview is what he's saying is he takes lean every day. He was sleeping in the car before the incident happened and he wasn't even trying to go to the club. So he was while his friends were inside, he was staying in the car. He remained in the car because he hadn't planned to go there. He just wanted to stay in the car. Little Tim said, I'm going to stay outside with you. And Listen, ma'am. He didn't want to leave him. Ma'am. We don't need no explanation, ma'am. When, when is the earth? Well, I'm just trying to make sure you guys. <laughs> what are they doing part two of that versus? What is SWV and Escape going to do that? Oh, yes. <laughs> what y'all got me in? But you know, he's going through red? some real mess with PTSD. Like, he's had people come into the house to speak to him. It's a lot, you know, for him to have witnessed and gone through. So, I believe he wanted it. to tell his side of the story because there's a lot of people saying things that he feels like aren't true. So he wanted to tell from his side because he was there. So this is what he's saying. And right now we just know his side of what happened. Ma'am, is I feel like praying, ma'am. I ain't messing with y'all. I feel like praying, ma'am. I need to sage myself, ma'am. Okay. Yeah, so that is your rumor report. Yes, ma'am. All right, ma'am. I stay out of young nigga business.
Okay, that's that's my advice just, for just, for all of y'all out there. Okay? Yeah, I just, I just I just pray. I that. mean, if you, I think if we care about people's lives, and I don't think that he wants anything to happen. So that's the whole point of this, right? Yeah, like we we don't want to see more people get. We don't want to see more people get killed. They do diss records like this. There's don't. a whole lot going on. It is they do diss records against each other. It's like, hey, Ron I just told y'all. Earth, Wind, and I Fire, Part young, Two. Really. I need to see that, man. Okay. Well, sir, who are you giving your donkey to? Well, sir, Mel, ma'am. <laughs> There's I a dude you. named Kevin Van Lovin. And Envy, I have a feeling that you are going to love this story because it's about one of your favorite things, Elmo. What? I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> sure. I'm looking at you different after this story, sir. Uh, oh, my goodness. Okay. All right. Donkey, today's up next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same. Angela here. And the General Insurance has been helping people save money for nearly 60 years. They offer the quality coverage you deserve at prices you can afford. Make the right call and go with the General. Call 800-GENERAL or visit thegeneral.com. Some it's time for Donkey of the Day. Donkeys of the Day, Charlemagne. I'm a Democrat, so being Donkey of the Day is a little bit of a mixed place. So like a donkey. Yeehaw. Okay. Donkey of the Day. <laughs> the Breakfast Club, bitches. Now, I've been called a lot in my 23 years, but Donkey of the Day is a new one. Yes, Donkey of the Day for Wednesday, April 14th, goes to a home inspector in Michigan named Kevin Wayne Van Lovin. What a name, Van Lovin. If this guy doesn't own a 1992 Ford Econoline, I would be disappointed. Okay, at least a 1997 Plymouth Voyager, maybe a Volkswagen Eurovan, maybe. Moral of the story is he should drive nothing but vans. When your last name is Van Lovin, you only have one vehicle of choice, and the license plate of that vehicle has to say Van Lovin. Sneakers, too. Okay, when your last name is Van Lovin', you can only wear Vans, the old school black and white ones with the jazz stripe. Now, some would say that if you drive a van and wear Vans, that's the child sex offender starter kit. I'm just saying, if you profile pedophiles, this kind of fits the description, but maybe I'm making all this up. This is probably a personal bias that I'm projecting, so never mind me. But back to Mr. Van Lovin'. Now, Mr. Van Lovin' is a home inspector, and he was inspecting the home of a 22-year-old woman in Oxford Township. He was inspecting the property before a sale. Well, something in that house turned Kevin Van Lovin' on. I don't know what type of aphrodisiac he used before he inspected that house. Maybe he ate some chocolate, maybe some figs, some oysters, Asparagus, maybe. Something increased his libido, his sexual function. Something got him so hot and bothered in that house that he had to pleasure himself right then and there. Let's go to WJBK Fox 2 Detroit for the report, please. Before selling, an Oxford Township couple let this man into their home on Gill Street for a routine inspection. They left, never suspecting the 59-year-old man would allegedly fulfill his sexual urges with their child's Elmo doll. <gasps> the disturbing sexual act revealed when movement in the child's room triggered the nursery camera. The image shows when Kevin Van Leuven picked up the Tickle Me Elmo doll. The homeowner shocked when she was alerted on her cell phone. After hitting record, she immediately contacted the Oakland County Sheriff's Office. Our deputies confronted him, and initially he denied it, and then they told him it was on video, 
and then he apologized. He's been charged with aggravated indecent exposure and a misdemeanor charge of malicious destruction of property. But perhaps what's even more disgusting, after abusing the doll, Van Leuven put it back. <clears throat> I never thought I would find someone who loves Elmo more than Rashawn Casey, a.k.a. <laughs> DJ Envy. I have so many questions. I know people say we shouldn't kink shame. We shouldn't shame people for what they are into sexually, but that's BS. Okay, that's from 2021. I've been woke too long and I need some sleep because I'm not thinking straight when I'm sleepy rhetoric. Okay, if I can't shame Kevin Van Lovin for this, then the word shame needs to be abolished altogether. Now, can I try to understand Kevin Van Lovin? Sure. Let's unpack this. How many times has Kevin Wayne Van Lovin sat his ass in front of the TV and masturbated to Sesame Street? I wonder. I also wonder if he sat down with a therapist or psychiatrist. Could he or she bring this back to something that happened in his childhood? I mean, it's Elmo, as in tickle me Elmo, right? And tickling equals flirting. I read somewhere, and by somewhere I mean Google, that from adolescence on, you're roughly seven times more likely to be tickled by somebody of the opposite sex. And the most common reason to tickle is to show affection. So maybe when he was a baby, as in a young lad, he got tickled a lot, and the thought of tickling turns him on. I don't know. Okay, so when you're a creature that is the symbol of tickling, maybe when you see that you get turned on, when you see that that, that, that symbol of tickling that is Elmo, a lot of people don't like tickling, but tickling is a physical expression of love. So maybe, just maybe, he saw Elmo and he wanted to show his love. I, some people do tickle fights as foreplay. People stage tickle fights in the bedroom. Nothing I'm saying makes sense, does it? Of course not, okay? God may not make mistakes, but humans do. But I hear stories like Kevin Van Loving, and I know they say don't question God, but sometimes you have to recognize that God didn't give you the same brains he gave everybody else, okay? There was certain periods in time that God was just creating anybody and anything, all right? Genesis 126 says God created man in his image according to his likeness, right? Well, humans, sometimes we just like to try things. Throw it against the wall to see what sticks. I think God did that when he was creating some humans. Some humans he just created with his eyes closed. Kevin Van Loving might have been one of them. Okay, God made him and forgot about him. So then Mr. Van Lovin all these years has been left to his own devices, wandering around life aimlessly by himself without God's guidance, only to end up on Sesame Street, masturbating next to Oscar the Ground's trash can while Elmo just minding his business, performing Elmo's song. Hit that tune for me, Dramos. This is the song. La, la, Come on la, now. Elmo's song. Mm. Mm. La, 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 la. Kevin Van Lovin is somewhere hot and bothered right now. Oh. To think he wrote this alone. Oh. That's what does it for Kevin Van Lovin. Oh. Okay, enough, enough, enough. Okay. Kevin Van Lovin is reinforcing all the pedophile stereotypes. I told you driving a van and wearing vans is the sex offender starter kit. You know how many people Chris Hansen caught who fit that profile? And this guy, Kevin Van Lovin, okay, you got caught sexually assaulting an Elmo doll in a nursery. That sounds pretty pedophile to me, okay? <laughs> Elmo is three and a half years old. Do you know that? Three and a half years old, you sick bastard. This is what Kevin Van Loven hears when drunk in love, please. I'm swerving on that, swerving, swerving on that big body, been serving all this, swerf, surfing all in this good, good. <laughs> please give Kevin Van Loven. Let Remy Ma give Kevin Van Loven the biggest hee-haw. Hee-haw, hee-haw. 
You stupid motherfucker. Are you dumb? Do it, Envy. Oh, you don't want to do the voice today, huh? You don't want to play Elmo today, do you? I was going to say, well, I'm just curious. You want to play a game? You want to play a game? <laughs> Only if you do the voice. Ask me in the voice. You want to play a game? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> Let's play a game of... Guess what? Racing! Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Kevin Van Loven, Michigan, home inspector, walked into a nursery in a home, saw a Tickle Me Elmo doll, and had his way sexually with it. Guess what? Racing! Angela Yee, start with you. I'll say Caucasian. Okay. What makes you say this with such confidence? <laughs> um, I don't know. It's just what I want it to be. Okay. Uh, Rashawn, I want you to do. I need you to answer in the voice the whole time. Okay. Okay. Kevin Van Loven. Yes. From Michigan, home inspector. You're very familiar with home inspectors, right? <laughs> he was in a home inspecting. He was in a nursery. Saw an Elmo doll. Had his way with the Elmo doll sexually. Guess what race he is? Let me check. <laughs> White. <laughs> what the hell did you bend over like that for? What the hell were you checking? Looked like you wanted somebody to check you. What the hell's wrong with you? I don't know, man. <laughs> I don't know. Put his mugshot up. Oh, we don't have. We're not on revolt. Are we on revolt. We on revolt. Tomorrow, later. I guess. You both are right. This is absolutely a colonizer. Okay. This is the highest Good levels job, of Caucasianery. Okay, the mayonnaise is very heavy in this oh, story. Man. All right. All right. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you for that talk. You, you got to register day. as a sex offender when you do stuff like this? If you're Kevin Van Loving? Oh, I think my envy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that I'm sure that guy asked. Well, no, he probably did. It's a dog. It's a dog. I don't think so. Uh, All right, anyway, creepy. Ask Yee is next. 800-585-1051. If you need relationship advice, call Yee now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Come on. Need relationship advice? Need personal advice? Just need real advice. Call up now for Ask Yee. Keep the bread. Morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. It's time for Ask Yee. Hello, who's this? Oh, yeah, this is Ashley. Ashley. You know what I'm from Jersey. Good morning. What's your question for Yee? Um, yeah, um, I just want to know what I should do about my relationship. Uh, right now, I'm, I'm going back and forth, back and forth. You know, I'm breaking up with my girl. She break up with me. You know, we both love each other. We're supposed to be getting married. But, mm -hmm. you know, we never really break up within 24 hours, you know, because we live together, you know. So mm -hmm. recently we just broke up, and I feel as though is that, you know, October our lease is up. Should I just go keep going back and forth, back and forth, you know? But I really love her. I just don't know what to do, you know? What do y'all keep breaking up over? It's like, I would say it's miscommunication. A lot of miscommunication. One minute, it's like it feels like, I'm coming off a, a little bit strong, but when I calm that down, you know, and realize it is miscommunication, I'll talk to her, right? But then she's already in a mindset, as in, you know, I'm coming off, gonna, I'm going to come off strong. It's already in her head that it's going to be an argument at the end of the day, instead of just coming to an agreement like, are right, we going to be at a middle ground and just work mm -hmm. it out. 
Uh, here's a couple of things that I think. Number one, those are the worst. When you're in a relationship and y'all are always breaking up every other day. First of all, your friends get sick of hearing about it. Y'all get sick of it. No one believes you. Y'all broke up. Oh, now y'all back together. I had to make a pact one time with uh, a boyfriend that I had where we said, look, we'll get into arguments because being in a relationship, part of that is knowing how to argue in a healthy manner, right? Because you're not always going to agree on everything. Obviously, there's going to be times when y'all need to figure out how to come together and work out issues that you might be having. That's just as important as being in a relationship is knowing how to healthily be able to argue and get over it and move on. And so one thing you should do is make a pact with each other that you're going to stop this silly breaking up all the time just to get back together. Because soon as you say, I'm done, it's over, we're not together anymore, it just becomes this whole other issue. And y'all know it's not even true and no one even believes you guys, right? Yeah, I I posted up one time, I'm like, yeah, I'm single. Everybody's like, nah, I'm not believing you this time. Or they like, oh, I can't believe it because, you know, you guys are meant for each other. Well, not meant for each other, but, you know, we fit perfectly for each other. Right. So what y'all need to do is when you're not in the middle of an argument, discuss the things that you could both improve on within yourself and then for each other. And be receptive to hearing that criticism because that's important. It's obviously y'all bump heads on things. You need to figure out, okay, if we get into an argument or if we have some type of miscommunication, this is how we're going to handle it moving forward so that y'all have a game plan because it is a team effort and it is a situation where y'all not always going to be smooth, but how do I handle it when things aren't smooth? And now as far as your lease, when your lease is up, do you guys want to renew the lease? What is the discussion about that? We were planning before about moving, you know, out the neighborhood and stuff like that, and that's good, but now it's just starting to come to the point where it's like, uh, should I just move by myself and handle what I got to handle, move by yourself and handle what you got to handle, and then if it's Mm -hmm. meant to be, it's meant to be. That's literally Yeah, and and y'all can still be together and not live together. Yeah. So if that's how you feel you want things to be, then yes, like get your own places until y'all can get to the space where, okay, let's spend a year, you in your place, I'm in my place while we have this lease, and then let's figure out if we're going to be able to move forward and move past these differences and figure out how we can come together and work through things and not break up every other day. It drives everyone around you crazy too. Yeah, it's driving me nuts. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> yeah. So that's what but I really yeah, think. And I, listen, like so many so people have like- that issue. Yeah, it's more so like, you know, I'll go into my separate little, you know, side and I get a little text like, oh, come over here right quick, you know, let's, I think we're going to talk about it and it's just like more like a, a cuddle session. And look, it's just uh, to me, it seems like y'all love each other. You know, you want to be together, but the arguing is like dysfunctional, how y'all communicate with each other. And that's the problem that y'all need to fix because there's nothing normal about arguing and breaking up every other day. Yeah. All right. Thank you so All much. Right. All right. No problem. All right. Ask All right, Yee. Thank you, guys. 800-585-1051. If you need relationship or any advice or any type of advice, hit Yee now. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Here's some real advice with Angela Yee. It's Ask Yee. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the God. We are The Breakfast Club. We're in the middle of Ask Yee. Hello. Who's this? This is Anna. Anna, what's up? What's your question for Yee? Hi, Yee. Um, hey, Anna. I have in my relationship, and it's been to where, like, okay, I went through his phone, and then I stopped going through his phone, and then he'll go through mine, but then don't want me to go through his. 
And I'm trying not to be a hypocrite and him, you know, he's a hypocrite. I don't understand. And it's become an mm. issue and it's just like, do you not go through your your significant other's phone? Do you leave them alone? Like, how would you guys handle Why that? are y'all going through each other's phone? Because it seems like a deeper issue than just touching somebody else's property and reading um, their personal messages. What is the reason behind that? That's what you really need to get at. Well, it has been issues like in the beginning, I did, you know, that might be something that might pop up and I'm looking like, um, that don't look right. So I would go through it and then there would be a bigger issue that has happened. And there has been, you know, infidelity, not, well, it was, it just, it, it didn't seem right to me. And so I feel like since that happened, it's just been more of an issue. Like, okay, can I trust you and everything else? Like, I trust him now. I haven't been through a phone or anything like that. Everything's been okay, but it's just like, Still now, you know, he might just pop on my phone and see it's not to be a problem because right. I think he is. And, you know, it's different couples are different, right? Like some people have access yeah. to each other's full access to each other's phones. No problem. And some people feel like, look, you don't know what me and my friends are discussing family members. I don't really need anybody going through my phone. And it's also a symbol of do you not trust me? Why are you going through my phone? It's not like you just use my phone because you forgot yours at home or anything like that. It's because mm-hmm. there's trust issues. And that's what it really is that y'all need to work through is the trust issues. The phone is just a symptom of that. But the real issue is y'all don't trust trust. each other fully for some reason he doesn't trust you right and see and that's the thing though when he's going through my phone there's nothing in my phone there's nothing to find in my phone because i don't do anything and i look at his and it's like okay now now it may not be a big deal but you're still hiding stuff from me and that's where i don't like communication everything falls short even though we have right that little stuff that is being hid and, and, you know, it's like a tit-for-tat thing. Like, you found some stuff on his phone, so now he's trying to go through yours to see if he could find something so he could be like, well, you did this mm-hmm. because maybe it'll take away some of the heat that's on him for stuff that you found on his phone. And, you know, right. some people will tell you, well, if you go looking for something, you're going to find something. But the truth to the matter is, if you're looking for something, it's because you think something is going on, right? Because you wouldn't be doing this if you felt confident and secure. Yes. So y'all need to figure out how do you feel confident and secure and you need to discuss those things. What is it that you can do for me to make me feel more secure? What can he do that's going to make you feel like, okay, he's not doing anything. What are some of the steps that he needs to take? Really communication and making sure that you at least enlighten me on some of the things that's going on, regardless if it's petty or if it's not like, you know, it would be better for me to, know about some of the things so then when i actually see it let's say i see it you know i won't be upset about it because i just know about it Right. Over explain everything to me. I don't care if it's little. I just want to know what's going on, who you're communicating with, who this person is so that I feel comfortable and he should be okay with that. Have you told him that? Yes. (laughs) We have Well, maybe what y'all need to do is make a pact with each other. Like, if as long as you are fulfilling these things, because I'm sure there's some things that he needs you to do also for him. Right. Right. It's right. a give and take. If you guys can be open and receptive to those things, then maybe you make an agreement. Let's not go through each other's phones anymore. Let's try to do this with trust. 
and see what happens. Now, if things fall apart, then it might be you having to figure out, is this a situation I want to remain in and stay in if I'm not feeling secure? But let's work on right. trusting each other. And it's a process <laughs> because y'all don't have trust right now, and it might take a while to build that back up. Thank you. And I had a question for the married men, too, because I, what? how are you guys' relationship back? Like, how do you live that so long? Like, how did you guys get to the point where you're at with your wife? Shutting the hell up and listening. <laughs> Well, I ain't laughing. Sense, sense. <laughs> and trust and, and trust me, those phones have been gone through too. Yeah. My wife has access to my phone. Actually, she posts some stuff on Instagram for me. So I mean, right now, but I'm just saying it was a process to get to that point. Um, when I grew up I, and I realized what I wanted, and, and my wife is my the love of my life, and I don't want to do nothing stupid to hurt her. So yeah, we have an open relationship where open as far as our phones are concerned. I can leave my phone mm-hmm. on the counter. She knows my passcode. She knows the passcodes to everything. I know the passcodes to all her stuff too. Like it's it's yeah. it's and to, and, it, it and is what it is. That's where I'm trying to get to. That's where I feel like you know it shouldn't be a problem. Like that's my problem. That it feels like it's a problem when it comes to yeah. stuff like that. And I don't want to be a problem because at one point I didn't even have a password on my phone. Right, but you still don't and, want him going you know, through your phone, right? I don't. Me, I never cared. That's the problem. That's mm-hmm. my big thing. I never cared if he did or didn't. So you're more concerned about his phone because I felt like you were saying you didn't want him going through your phone and he keeps doing it. Well, I don't feel like he should go through my phone if I haven't been going through his. I don't care if it's supposed to mine. It's just the fact that I feel like it should be equal 50-50 for that. Hmm. I just don't want y'all to feel like y'all got to go through each other's phones. I want you to get to that point right. where if you're using his his yeah. phone or he's using yours, it's not because you're going through it. Yeah, that's true. Well, thank you so much for your help, and thank you guys. You guys have a wonderful morning. Peace. You too. All right. Ask Yee, 800-585-1051. If you need relationship advice, you can hit Yee. Now we got rumors on the way? Yes, and let's talk about Serena Williams and her new deal. All right, we'll get into that next. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. All the gossip. gossip. The rumor report. Gossip. With Angela. Angela Yee. It's the rumor report. The Breakfast Club. Russell Wilson and Sierra are going to be hosting NBC's Roll Up Your Sleeves TV special that's happening on Sunday. Now, there'll be influential people like Barack Obama, Joe Biden, Charles Barkley, Shaquille O'Neal, Dr. Fauci, of course, is involved. And they said it's going to educate viewers, raise awareness, and dispel concerns surrounding the COVID-19 vaccines. I don't know if this is the week to do that. When <laughs> yeah, they're recalling, the they recalling vaccines. <laughs> Maybe next week. Like, <laughs> how can you dispel rumors or people's fear around the vaccine when you're actually recalling the vaccine because it's doing things to people. Well, the Johnson & Johnson one, at least. Mm-hmm. The show will aim to inform and encourage those who have vaccination concerns to learn the facts. Now, do you say on the show all of them except for Johnson & Johnson? We can't speak for that. <laughs> but Moderna, this is only about Moderna and Pfizer. Do you at least say that? Do you acknowledge that, Maybe. at least? Yeah, I mean, they kind of have to because mm-hmm. it was recalled, right? Yeah, if Dr. Fauci's on it and he's already spoken about Johnson & Johnson being uh, paused for now because of concerns about blood clots for women. By the way, all of it were, all six people that had complications were women. So that's on Sunday. All right, Serena Williams has inked a first look deal with Amazon Studios and she spoke to Vanity Fair about it. 
I just signed a first look deal with Amazon Studios, and so we're working on to create some scripted and non-scripted stuff and products and just bring really interesting stories that really touch the heart um, to the screen. Also doing uh, um, a docu-series on yours truly, but just, you know, kind of following <laughs> following it around but it through my through my eyes and through my lens and so i'm actually joining the ep credits on that as well i'm dropping a clues bombs for serena williams i love it anytime folks get money to create i'm all for it mm -hmm. she was actually talking to michael b jordan during vanity fair's inaugural cocktail hour live event and he gave her some tips too if you want to check that out all right bridgerton has been renewed for seasons three and four already by netflix so, yeah, season two hasn't even happened yet, but they've already renewed it for seasons three and four. In a statement, Shonda Rhimes said, from the first time I read Julia Quinn's delicious Bridgerton series, I knew these were stories that would captivate a viewing audience. But the evolution of this adaptation would not be a success without the many significant contributions of the entire Shondaland team. This two-season pickup is a strong vote of confidence in our work, and I feel incredibly grateful to have partners as collaborative and creative as Netflix. That's dope, because it helps you to create such a, uh, an intricate storyline because you know you know where you're going you know how many seasons you got yeah i mean there's gonna be some surprises <sighs> next couple of uh seasons of Bridget, yeah. oh you're up. on it shut up i didn't say that i just said some surprises exactly what it's not happening all right i have see. no faith in you no don't believe faith, in you at all i believe in Zero. myself okay you're a liar all right now javante davis had posted on his instagram story i don't know if y'all saw this i can't stop cheating on my girl and then he said i'm effing retarded <laughs> All right, so those are the posts. And his girlfriend is Nessa, rich girl Nessa, and she posted, I hate my lurking skills. I be finding exactly what I'm looking for, including the whole family and grandma don't play. And then I guess it was revealed that it looks like from these posts that were going back and forth that uh, she's talking about Bernice Burgos's daughter. And so then Bernice Burgos's daughter actually went and... Uh, was going back and forth on social media as well. So it turned into a whole big thing. But Javante wants people to know, he was on Snapchat, that he is not cheating. Here's what he posted. So I'm only making this video right now, just so Nessa won't think I'm out here cheating. I'm with this and this So he's showing who he's with to show that he's not cheating. He also said that he's not the person that posted that. He said, none of that BS was me. So I don't know if he's trying to say somebody else posted it. I don't know. No, are we sure she didn't get a hold of her of his password? You know what I mean? And got into his account to, to post that? I'm just, I'm just asking here. That's embarrassing. I don't know if I want to post that. Like, if I'm the girlfriend, I can't stop cheating on my girl. Yeah, you Why would I want to I mean, post I mean, that? But then, it, and then, and then it's the F, exactly. Then it's the effing uh, retarded part after that. It's like she's doing that on purpose. Like, that's the point. To shame him. I, I don't know. I have no idea what happened, but he's saying it wasn't him. All right, that is your rumor report. Okay, all right. Well, shout to Revolt. We'll see you tomorrow. Everybody else, the People's Choice mixes up next. Let's go. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. Now, shout to the Lucas Brothers for joining us this morning. Salute to the Lucas Brothers, man. Brilliant. You know, talented individuals who are now Oscar nominated. I mean, I just, I just like to see people come up because I remember when they were doing Friends of the People on True TV with with my guy uh, Lil Rel and Jermaine Fowler and the late great Kevin Barnett, and to see them, you know, writing a movie now that's Oscar nominated. You know, it's super inspiring. So, salute to the Lucas Brothers, man. Newark, New Jersey's own. All right, Brick City. All right. 
Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. Now it's time to get up out of here, man. You guys have a great day today. Also today, I'll actually be doing a live at 1 p.m. and I'll be with Coach Jesse and it's called Save Our Moms, Black Maternal Health and Equity. So it's on the heels of the first ever proclamation of Black Maternal Health Week that was founded by Black Mamas Matter in 2017. And I'll be talking to Coach Jesse, including some other very special guests as well be talking about these critical health issues and what we can do to save our moms by advancing health equity legislatively in the healthcare system and personally so make sure y'all tune in for that at 1 p.m today all right Charlamagne, you got a positive note for the people i do man the positive note is simply this uh setting boundaries isn't always easy or nice but it's necessary spiritual and empowering